Hello, everyone. Welcome back. This is the podcast. And today we are shouting because we have received lots and lots of comments last week saying that we are whispering. I think that we don't whisper. I think that, in fact, we talk at the right length, right length, right volume, the right length of audio wave. <laughs> the right amplitude. I think it's because um, we went from like mics that were probably less sensitive than this to mics that now it feels like you're holding an explosive device and if you get too close to it or you're too far away like you cut the wrong wire it goes off in your hands and it's a very fine hard thing to balance i think yeah the mic technique is really difficult with these ones like they're, they're nicer mics but even just in that last sentence i heard a couple of popping peas yeah exactly yeah, it's terrible so sorry for anyone who's in earphones or driving, driving. I've, got, I've just got a few comments just to back up my my point about the the whispering here we've got uh why are you boys whispering from charlie johnson both charlie. of you have such amazing voices Ooh. your voices are so soothing accidental asmr one about you man speaking in lowercase whispering duo from pete freedom hello it's joe why are we whispering and why are your voices so soothing though so it's like a blend of some people like it some people don't i don't really get the lowercase one like not enough emphasis on it's just that uppercase is shouting all caps mm. like if you email someone with uppercase that's aggressive it's an interesting way of describing it though isn't it because most conversation is in lowercase <laughs> just with capitalized first at the beginning words, of the sentence first lesson. yeah, yeah. Let's not get into it, though. It's a weird criticism to be given. So, so consistent, though. Um, but you know what? We could lean into it. I could turn this into a... I could become the best ASMR fitness coaching podcast. This isn't just a fitness coaching podcast. It's a fitness coaching podcast where we whisper all the fucking time. <laughs> Someone has executed that really well. There's a startup podcast that talks about like fintech and it's like they've hired a female British voice actress to do this ASMR style and it's like, here's what's new in the world of cryptocurrency. And everyone's just like, oh, and just falls asleep. Yeah. What does ASMR stand for? JavaScript. Autonomic Sensory Meridian Response. Correct. I think. Yeah. You got that answer to me faster than Google. How does that make you feel? Because that's wrong, isn't it? You got it to me faster than my ability to operate Google. Which is the full, until Google can implant into your brain and preempt. Well, but if you and I raced to, to get the answer to something with Google, you would beat me. You'd probably do it in half the time, wouldn't you? Just with Alfred. And just and whatever other sort of wizardry that you use, witchcraft. <laughs> that you use on your keyboard. So it's become a common trope on the uh, the propane team meetings. Top secret, we can't talk about them. But um, if there's a, a question or something comes up, you'll occasionally just hear, which is <laughs> the keyboard sound effect. Well, we have to like remind you when you're going, oh, it's just this. You just do this, that not everybody is a wizard with a keyboard. Some people use the mouse and... 
like type oh. type things into the web address bar www dot amateurs. <laughs> you were before we started recording. You were talking to me about a hip thrust machine. Oh yeah, there's. I've seen it occasionally on Instagram, and it just looks lovely. It's a plate loaded hip thrust machine that I might even be able to to find it. It's one of those things that will only be in very specialist bodybuilding gyms. I imagine the place that we went to in Liverpool would have had one. And it's... There it is. This is what it looks like. Oh. Oh, right, yeah. Oh, nice. Oh, that does look good. Look at that range of motion. That's an impressive amount of weight considering that range of motion. To be honest. Oh uh, yeah, I think she's quite, she's quite thick, quite glutey. This is something that I struggle with with like home gym equipment. Um, so if you've been listening to the podcast for the last couple of weeks, you'll know that I've taken a recent foray into bodybuilding training. And like when you realise that when you have a barbell, so I have a the equipment I have is a barbell power rack, and I do have like a glute ham raise hip thrust thing as well, um, and some dumbbells that are plate loaded. But the number of things you can do to like isolate your quads, for example, with that setup is not that many things. You end up doing lots of squat variations and lots of single leg work. Which are all really unpleasant Awful. as well. Yeah. Did you ever end up getting those boots? I've actually, they're on my like to buy list. They're like $80. Wow. Are they, are they called like moon boots or something? I can't remember their name. Yeah. They look great. They look like they would fix a, a lot of my uh, quad isolation based problems. So I'm finally upgrading my pull-up bar. I'm going to buy one of those that it's a cantilever one, cantilever without a U, but it's just a more pro one. I thought, you know, it's finally time because there was a post going around saying like, you know, those cheap cantilever pull-up bars. And it said, this is the male equivalent of a live, laugh, love sign on your bedroom door. It's that combined with like a, usn shaker and one tub of protein powder <laughs> in the bedroom <laughs> that would it be is. how you'd know at uni when you'd like go around to someone's room in, when everyone was like staying in halls if someone had like a pull-up bar or like around to someone's house someone had a pull-up bar and then on the top of their kitchen unit they had a usn tub and then a shaker that was like always in the dishwasher or like looked like it but they didn't do anything else with the diet they just did pull-ups and the did protein shakes yeah, there's a few variants as well. Like the the shaker could be a MetaRx, that's acceptable. Yeah, Max Muscle. Um, the tub, yeah, Max Muscles, the classic. Or is it CNP? Yep. They used to do the really horrible protein yep. bars. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> God. We were talking about this on maybe the last, we were talking about this when we were discussing the price of protein, that like there's this, I, maybe it's just because I don't like Stroppenhol and Nabara anymore, but there's this range of protein powders that I feel like just don't exist anymore. Like, can you can you the, buy like a USN way these days? Does that exist? Must do. Things like Dimatize and oh. yeah, it's all the very American brands. I did you, you know what? Right, you you'll have experienced this recently. I went to New York a few years ago, and it really rammed home this stat that people say the average person gains eight pounds when they go to the states, like for for a trip to the states. Mm. And I can totally believe it now because obviously the portions are ridiculous. Everything's crammed full of kind of satiety bypassing foods yeah. and additives. 
And I bought a tub of protein while I was there instantly because I was like, I need to try and improve the quality of my my intake a little bit. And so I bought some like muscle milk. And when I got it back to the hotel room, I looked at the ingredients and realized that it was mostly sugar. Yeah, I think muscle milk was... Because I don't think it's very... This might be totally wrong, people who've used it before, but I don't think it's very open about the fact that it has quite a high carb count on it or in it. And then it's only when you look at the back of the... You assume it's just whey and you look at the back yeah. of the packet. and Because I feel like at that time when you went to New York, if you'd gone into Tesco or like a similar supplement shop, the standard tubs on the shelf would have just been whey protein. That would have been the default and you would have had to have found the weight gainer powder to get the one with all the carbs in. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, Whereas, like Cyclone, do you remember that? Max that was a multi. That thing, had wasn't creatine it? in, so it was a big deal, and it had oats, I think, or had some kind of carb in it. I remember you had a di- is it dimatize? You had a. Did they do like a pre workout or a, a post workout shake that had loads of sugar in it? Is that right? Maybe. I mean, the muscle milk tasted amazing. Oh, I, I to be to be fair to them, if you put. <laughs> Lots of carbs in things. It, ten- it tends to taste quite nice, doesn't it? Mm. So unfair. And that's the case. It is. So we had, or you have a surprise for me. Oh, yeah. Are we doing that now? Okay. Um, right. While you're finding it, I finally watched The Night Manager, which was <laughs> your recommendation. Oh, nice. Did you like it? Yeah. Have you seen good. the whole thing? Yeah, I finished it. It's a, it is a series, right? The thing you've seen. I think it's a one one series yeah. show. That guy, I can't remember his name. He's also in some of the Marvel films. I think he should be the next James Bond. Yeah, he's very he's he's just like a young Daniel Craig. Very isn't suave. He? Like mm. can can sort of is happy to break the rules occasionally when it's required. Makes. I, I got the feeling that the actor is just like that all the time. I think he probably is. <laughs> right, here we go. So can you see my... This is totally out of context, by the way, for the, the rest of this podcast. I suppose it's a little bit X-rated as well, I should warn you. He told us to... Um, to both of you? Well, he told me that the thing that would help it was drinking his like four times a week he told us to right it never ceases to amaze me i'm just reading the caption here what some celebrity doctors conclude when it comes to endocrinology courtney kardashian's doctor says to travis bark to drink travis barker's semen four times a week for fertility right Is is that the entire thing? That's your opinion on, yeah. Okay. I've not seen any evidence for this. I don't know whether the... First of all, like, endocrinologist, not sure why he's recommending that, but maybe there's a rationale to say if you acclimatize your um, immune system to someone else's bodily fluid, then you don't mount as much of a immune response but I, I don't know whether fertility problems are bottlenecked by that 
immune reactions mm. to semen. Like you'd think, you'd think all not. the comments on that on that post. So this is a that clip is a is more plates, more dates. If you're not heard of that YouTube channel, it's phenomenal. Um, it's his reaction to this. So that was a clip from, um, I think it's called Keeping Up with the Kardashians or something, whatever they're on. Mm. Travis Barker was the drummer in Blink One Eighty. Did you know that? Yeah. How was this? I, I'm trying to give it the benefit of the doubt and you know, thinking maybe there's a rationale for it because I I feel like even if you're a proper wacky endocrinologist in America trying to build a personal brand for yourself, you, you've you got to be able to justify your recommendations somehow. But, so maybe he's in a paper on it somewhere or I don't know. So all, all the comments are like, uh, Travis Barker's clearly paid the doctor, you know, all those, those <laughs> sort of like lewd comments that people make. But the, I think the thing that I couldn't stop thinking about was like, imagine... Your, because obviously in in the US, the healthcare world is is there's a lot more there's a more of a commercial angle to it, right? There's a, there's like a profit driver for it. You're given this chance, like you are Courtney Kardashian's doctor, trying to help her overcome a fertility problem. The recommendation you give is going to be put on, like the social media channels and the a TV series with millions and millions and millions of viewers. And if you that's a really big point. Fuck that up. Like, there's no coming back from that. Like that. that. Mm, so actually, maybe then, deliberately wacky because he's like, well, it's going to be harmless. So if I just say something mental, <laughs> it's going to give me a lot of traffic. Um, a lot of traffic. Yeah. But would you? I feel like I. I feel like that would make me think. I'm not trusting them. There's maybe non-physiological benefits to it as well that like if you just say oh well you you two need to do blowjobs four times a week do those blowjobs then that's gonna improve their sex life if they're like right sorry but it's tuesday we need to do blowjobs today then yeah yeah. maybe that is it i i whenever i see anything um about fertility i just think of your sort of Every, whenever I talk to you about it, I just think it, as, I, as I've said to you, it's just, we're just heading towards a handmaiden's tale where nobody's fertile anymore because everyone's just been drinking estrogen in the water and touching receipts and eating at ed- edamame yeah. beans. Edamame beans. Edamame beans. It's true. I, I've just, I suppose one more comment really is that there is an opportunity cost to swallowing <laughs> semen. That's the, because that, that there is the clip that's going on TikTok and Instagram, isn't it? Oh, just no, yeah. nothing before it and nothing after it. Just that. <laughs> we could make that the intro to the podcast. So four times a week, that's four cums that you're not getting in your vagina, isn't it? So if you're trying for a baby... It's all about the reps. Reps and volume. Mm. That's a good point. So it has to... What he's claiming there is that that load is worth so much more in your stomach as a yeah it is odd that like, for fertility the, the immune reaction occurs or that whatever he's arguing it's somehow better in your stomach than elsewhere he's mm. a doctor isn't he I, so i mean it, it it's not something i've heard before they definitely didn't cover that in med school so <laughs> i'm i'm gonna put it in the like dubious box with potential rationale it'd be great to have him on the podcast we could maybe 
talk through his rationale. How how would you, as a as a doctor, you see a claim on social media about like anything, not not that specifically, but but health related, fitness related, nutrition related, and let's say you're someone listening to this, you're a personal trainer, and you're trying to weigh up like, is this just bullshit, or might there be something to this? Like, how would you how would you tackle that problem? That's a good question. So assuming you have a grounding in physiology, which I think is a, a useful basis mm. for this, first, just big picture Occam's razor. Is this, on the face of it, does it pass the sniff test? If, if yes, fine, see if we can find a, a reason why it does or why it doesn't. Next step is look at, is there some kind of mechanism that relates to this? And is there a, a known mechanism? If so, fine. Again, it can go into the, the green box. If there's not a known mechanism, you think, okay, is there maybe a fringe mechanism that's currently to do with epigenetics or all the kind of new sides of medicine that are really on the cutting edge, stem cells and all that stuff? Okay, fine. Well, let's look into that and see if there's a couple of papers of preliminary findings that might indicate that this is, has got some truth to it. Um, and then if there isn't, then you've really got to ask like, okay, is this person just claiming it works because of chakras or because of something like that? And so I think it's useful, particularly with things like, and I'm sorry to throw him under the bus, but Ben Greenfield. Yep. That's a great example. That there is a great things. example of exactly that. Because I, I sit and wonder while I'm having my morning coffee and I'm watching him sat in front of some red lights and shooting oil around his mouth and got like blue things on his head. Like, should I be doing that? Mm. Is that it? Would that be a good idea for me? And like, very difficult to wrap your head around yeah. it. And well, what he does is he, he will quote bits of physiology or mechanisms or throw in the word nitric oxide or something like that. And... So the, the question there is, okay, is that mechanism that he's citing relevant to what he's doing or is he just throwing it in there for the sake of clouds? And if so, what's the effect size? How much of an effect will you get from that? And that's where you have to look at the data and say like, okay, is this worth the average Joe doing or is this just worth Ben Greenfield doing because he happens to already live in an off-grid wood cabin with a transcranial stimulator and a red light box on his ball sack and uh, a cold plunge pool and what's and the cost all this as other well. stuff like it's it's fine for if he gets sent things for free it's that's one thing but if to, if to model that you're looking at a couple of grand a month in equipment or whatever to maintain it i think that's the other side yeah and i think that's a good point that the other frame is what's the cost benefit and what's the risk benefit so peter atia has a really good imagery or model of are you picking up pennies in front of a tricycle or are you picking up sorry are you picking up dollars in front of a tricycle or are you picking up um pennies in front of a train <laughs> yeah that i mean that mental image really drives it home doesn't it yeah so like if you go oh well i could take metformin because maybe it'll provide some improvement for my insulin sensitivity Which okay how well it's tested is it diabetes moderately well yeah yeah so it's got a good track record you go okay fine but then you go oh well i could take 
NMN or some kind of new supplement or like is it MK677? One of these kind of growth factor modulators, isn't it? The guy, Dr. Dre, (laughs) (laughs) peanut ones, and try and evaluate if this works. Great, but if it doesn't work, what am I opening myself up to? Like, I get the I get the effect. Yeah, exactly. What might I be causing in the background at the same time? Yeah. So, so you, if you're taking something that like delimits IGF one activity, then you know that there are mechanisms of tumor growth that, if you were to sort of pick out that thing and un, unlimit it, then you open yourself up to that risk. So, is it worth a little bit more muscle gain, which is unproven? So that's the penny in yeah. front of the train to achieve that benefit. That is a great framework to view things through. Cause I think it, it is even like as a, an expert or a coach in a, in the fitness industry, I think you still look for the fringe stuff sometimes. And Ben Greenfield's a great example of this. Cause everything, it seems like anyway, everything he talks about is the, it feels like the, like the 80% stuff that doesn't really contribute. Like, and, and, you know, if it does contribute, it might be like a one, 1% improvement in whatever it is you're trying to, and you went, your day ends up being biohacking and you forget to actually like have a day at the end of it. Like you spent all day optimizing for the day that never happens. Um, yeah. And he's great at marketing those things because every one of them is filled with such exciting claims that you think, oh, wow. Like, you know, he, he did a, and, and, you know, fair play to him. He really throws himself into it if you fancy a laugh there's a article that he did for something like men's health and it was a six-month penis experiment where he did 10 simultaneous interventions to improve his dick health um so it was like ultrasound um pulsing therapy and red light on his balls and some kind of like stem cell injection into the, the like shaft and um these different chinese herbs it's like all these different things to improve his dick and he was measuring you know ejaculate volume um erection strength erection length it's all that odd, kind of thing because I, I suppose it depends on how, how you define health because to me health in that context is just the absence of illness or like the absence of disease you know he's, tr- he's trying to tune something up in a way that it's like hard to argue whether or not he is improving things because what what's this what's the standard like what's the op, what's the objective like this is the the measure of penis health if it isn't just you don't have any problems you're right i suppose it, i should say it's willy performance rather than willy health performance okay so right so he, he does have some some you, metrics you, that he can track for that because you're right that if you define health as absence of disease then it, what are you doing like if it works is that okay, how you would define it don't mess with it there's different definitions. So absence of disease is one of them. Right. That was a very politician's answer, wasn't it? Did everybody... Because there's also like the state of biological and um, social and psychological well-being. And then there's like another definition for something too. <clears throat> so the take home from that is probably drinking semen won't help for anybody wondering. Probably not. And a nice little look to assess other things. There we go. And a nice brief clip for our TikTok as well. 
Speak, you, something about you it, so you're speaking of doing things. <laughs> the one second delay on the internet's just just getting us. Well, we're just perfectly talking over on the. You just said speaking of which, because this never happens in person, yeah. does it? But I think in person yes. you pick up like the little subtle cues, don't you? Of someone, you're, you're very good at this when we're on an interview together. I don't know whether you know you do this, but you you raise your hand slightly when you're about to say something. I don't know, is yeah. that a deliberate thing or? It's a secret signal, but you've you've blown our cover now. Because if someone's asking us both a question, everyone's going to know. And both of us thinking like, "Ooh, I've got a really good answer to that." Yusuf just raises his hand. Not really. You just you go as though you're sort of gesticulating the the point. But I try and lean back or lean nice. forward as well, because I know you're a you're a very perceptive man. So, but yeah, you're right. In person, never happens because I think you can tell when someone's about to speak in person. But when you can just see someone's head and neck, it you miss some of the, the more subtle points and the internet's delayed. So it's mindful. It's a nightmare. It's why people that have headphones for podcasts, I can finally understand why they do that. Because I remember seeing it thinking, oh, come on, that's a bit excessive. Like they're sat in the same room. But if you have a panel of three or four people... You've heard Joe Rogan's explanation it. why he does it, why all his guests are sat there with, the, with headphones on. Because he said it's a really bad listening experience if everyone's I think you just, going at it. You rate your voice as then equal to the other person's voice rather than because um, mm. you're remembering that like that the, the track you're producing is what you're listening to. So if you hear your voice in, in the same as the other person's voice, you tend to be, firstly, the, the audio sound is more, the volume is more normalized and you don't talk over people as much. Right. He's feedback loop. done a few podcasts as well. So I imagine he knows what he's talking about. I don't remember this question. Would you rather have $100 appear in your pocket? Okay. Let's change Let's it to pounds. Because I think for dollars, £79.44 at the current spot really rate. Mm -hmm. So it appears in your pocket every time you put a finger in your bum hole for six seconds at a time. Or a one-time only... 500k tax-free upfront payment finger bum money is not taxed and it can be anyone's finger but it must be in for six seconds taken out and then reinserted big knuckle deep big knuckle deep that's the most important part of that entire thing and it's the last little clause because that turns it into like something that if you just did it all day well i suppose you'd become used to it wouldn't you Yeah, Can it's just been some So I've got a calculation here. This wasn't my calculation, but someone has broken it down and actually beaten the problem definitively. So he said, there we go. So I mean, this is the, the accountant, but uh, 10 per minute at peak efficiency would be 1,000. So 60,000 mm. for an hour with a finger in your bum. And that would take around eight hours and 20 minutes to get you 500k in one go. And then you're delimited, aren't you? Then, yeah. Well, then it's just pure. That, so I was trying to do it over like, so, how do we make it easy? Like, how do we make it so that you barely notice it? And let's do it over a year. So I reckoned about 14 times a day would get you the 500 grand in a year. 
See, it's interesting because I'd rather just have one day of really unpleasant. And I think I would pay someone because trying to do it yourself takes like means you can't get anything else seconds. done. Yes, but if you oh, this is if you want to bash the yeah, ball yeah, out in okay, one day and get so I'm thinking like how do I just build a habit for life? So like you're viewing it as like I want five hundred grand. I'm, oh, so I'm you, like, well, I'll just say five hundred grand a year. Every year, five hundred grand a year, and I don't even notice. So like forget meditating and forget journaling and like I'm gonna spend a couple of minutes each morning <laughs> putting my finger in my bum systematically for six minutes at a time, up to the big knuckle, and then I go about the rest of my day. And then in the, in the evening, before I go to bed, brush my teeth, shower, finger up my bum. Six times, six for six seconds, multiple times, and that's just yeah, yeah. I do after the shower. shower. Could you even do it in the shower? Couldn't you? You could just have the cue of whenever you're in the shower. That's yeah, what you do. You'd be like, oh, Johnny's in the shower again. He'll be seven minutes. <laughs> but there's the trouble with that problem is like the person in year one who gets the five hundred k day one who does something intelligent with it. I don't know how it would match my my version. Like I would think I would eventually surpass that person because I'm constantly generating five hundred grand, a new five hundred thousand every year. But it would depend what you did. What with the five hundred k on day one? Yeah, whether you recycle the capital. But I, I, I like your approach to it. It's very like I'm <laughs> like going to build a lifestyle. I've literally this. got a money printing thing. Like you're going to do, because but with your approach, you could do like a day a month where you just like right today's just a la like today's an offline day <laughs> i'm not gonna do <laughs> i'm not gonna do any calls you have to be I'm offline pay this yeah. person. like you give the person a grand two grand ten grand and it still be probably worth their time Depends yeah. yeah would i suppose it'd have to be a, a sex worker why Well, I suppose is they would become one. Is it? Yeah, because like, because fingering people's bums for six seconds multiple times, and, and you're only I you're only doing say that, that I'm a sex worker. If we're honest, so, you're only doing that because you're getting paid to do it. Like if if for money, if, let's yeah. say there'd be no salary involved in being a medical student. I suppose you're doing it for the qualification at that stage. Apparently, was it you that asked me about this the other day? Of there was a, a guy who was the. Oh, it was you. The the guy who's the model. It wasn't me. Model bumhole no, for me. prostate exams. Ah, so there's a, there was a model patient apparently that would go around med schools and offer up right. his body to be examined. I don't know if it's a rumor because I've never met him. So this is like this is one person who's like consistently doing this, and still they're still active. Mm. <laughs> Yeah. Which I think is suspicious. Right. Because he's not paid either. It's funny, isn't it, how someone being paid for something immediately, like, levels the suspicion around it. <laughs> Which I actually think is a really good way for um, software companies to fully pull the wool over our eyes. Because, you know, when a bit of software is free and you go, oh, no, I don't mm. trust that because they'll be mining our data or something. But if it's $20 to buy, they might still be doing that. But you've just paid for the privilege. That's a great point. But like a password manager that's free, I'd I mean, be like, oh, I don't know, unless it's open source, I don't, I'm not interested. 
But if it's like quite expensive, I'd be like, oh, well, even if it was just that's like their a, business model. A, a, like five pounds one off. You're like, well, they probably aren't making a living from five pound one off transactions. Like, there's probably something else going on here. Maybe they're selling my information. Mm. <laughs> but it, but I don't even think about it because it cost me five Perhaps. <laughs> so when does the fingering thing so, start? Is that, can we do that? Can we start next week with it? Thing that I guess like somewhere in the world that maybe somebody has had this idea, but like, it's like the real life squid game, like really weird, like put people in these really weird situations, get like five contestants and say, these are the parameters, off you go. Like you, you maximize it as much as you want. Like every time you put your finger in your bum, you get the money and you just watch what people do for a month. It's the kind of thing that... And I bet there'd be some it, Yeah, if situations. you deployed it in Japan where people can like really get skilled at a certain thing, they would figure out, or like, you know, apply some Japanese engineering to it, they would completely nail it. And it has to be a real finger, I assume. It can't be a person. I don't know if you can hear that. There's a horse a going past. A policewoman on a horse. Very big horses that they get in the police. A huge, yeah, <laughs> massive. Do you remember there was that guy, there was a guy in Newcastle who punched a horse outside the football stadium? What happened to him? I, I, well, I think he was arrested and it's obviously like, it's violence, isn't it? It's still, just because it's a horse, it doesn't matter. I think like, oh, it just just because it's a horse, it doesn't mean it's, he's like exempt from our Got it. All right, don't worry, the horse doesn't mind. What a gameless thing to do. Yeah, was... Punching a police horse, like you're either going to get reprimanded by the horse or by the police. Or possibly both. <laughs> but it's also like, to punch something, to punch an animal that like can't really like doesn't have hands doesn't really have much of it's not like a lion like you wouldn't punch a lion would you for obvious reasons so he's punched a horse because it's like oh, a bit of an easy win mm. like can't punch me back can't punch me back can't bite me might try and like trample on me or gallop across me but i'll move out of the way if that had been a bear he wouldn't have punched it yeah definitely not because horse, horses have got kind of goofy teeth they're not really built for predation. How would you, where would you punch the horse? Where did he punch the horse? I think, I don't know. I imagine in the head. Mm. Yeah, you don't want to punch it anywhere near its back. Like back yeah. legs. Big, powerful, big, lean, powerful back legs. Yeah, it would just be game over. They're always shredded, aren't they, horses? So They're always like striated, vascular. Earlier today, James Smith posted a clip of a um, panda eating some bamboo. And he accompanied with the clip was like the comment of, I can't stop watching this. And I ended up watching it like four or five times. <laughs> it's like, it's so, the, it just looks like a human in a panda costume, but it's a panda. Just something to look out for. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if pandas came out one day and was like, Sorry, we're just a couple of guys in suits. We've done this for the last 20 years for a laugh, and that's why we seem like an endangered species, because we can't reproduce the suits. Because we've got so much on. <laughs> we can't be everywhere at once. You should see our calendars. are a nightmare. Guest appearances everywhere. So some of you guys have sent us 
some unpopular fitness opinions. Some of these are great. Shall we alternate? Uh, yes, let's. Uh, you don't have to bench unless you really want to. As long as you have... Because there's so many ways to do that, isn't there? Yeah. I, I mean, I think it's like the... It is the bread and butter, like, unpopular fitness opinion, isn't it? Like, you don't have to squat or bench or deadlift or, like, one of the main compound lifts. And someone says it, people are like, what do you mean? Like, of course you've got to do that. Mm -hmm. That's sacrilege, you can't <laughs> say that. But yeah, I think it, if you don't, if you aren't training the bench press, there are other ways to do like horizontal pushing that don't, might not hurt you or cause an injury. On to the next one though. I've, I've noticed that so many toes.training has also said, no, you don't have to squat. Oh, well, and what I'm concerned about is that so many toes.training has just gone through all the list of exercises and said, you don't have to do this which by eliminating all of them means that it doesn't have to train at all. Because the other side of that is one of the reasons why I don't write my own programming is I would never include split squats or like overhead press or probably any back work at all or any like, like I would just do things I enjoyed. So I think it's important to have a reason like I, I can still remember going through all of the contingency planning when we're making the propane protocol of like, if somebody can't do this exercise, then they can do this and they can, if they can't do this, they can sub it out. And you think like at some point you maybe just have to say to a client, why, like, what's the real reason why you don't want to squat? Is it cause it's hard? <laughs> cause that's not really a good, that's not really a good reason. Like if it's injury or like physical limitations, fine. But if it's just cause I don't like squatting cause it's difficult probably not the best reason absolutely um next one don't go hard go moderate then go home what do you think about that one i think we covered something similar to this recently where basically saying there are certain bits of advice like you probably aren't training hard enough which you are 100 percent bang on true for half the population and the other half need to do the opposite. So it's very hard to, and, and the people who, it's always the people who don't want to hear that are the ones that should hear it <laughs> and vice versa. Yeah. It's the, I think it's the thing of like, it's the one that you th initially you think applies to you is probably not the one that applies to you. It's probably the opposite one. Because <laughs> people who are already training hard here, you're not training hard enough and go like, yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. But actually you're probably doing too much. There was something I wanted to ask you, which is kind of an offshoot of this. I'll try not to derail this too much. I keep seeing lots of Micah's, because I'm doing a Micah's Retail design program, I see lots of videos of him training and him and Gigi Mufu and all the like, stuff that's been on the channel recently. And it just looks like constantly, every time he trains, he's in tons of pain. <laughs> is there a, <laughs> do you think there's a consequence to just being in lots of pain in, your, in an average week? Like, can you, can you be in too much pain? That's, that's a good question. It's probably like, um, using the nitro burner on your, on your car. Yeah. Like if you keep ramming that button, it's probably traumatizing you in some way. So we spoke to Juju Mufu on the podcast a few years ago and I, I listened back to it last week because it's a brilliant episode to be honest. Oh really? And he is talking, we asked him about like, oh, some of these like, crazy stunts that you do or when you put yourself through massive amounts of pain 
for a video or doing like a you know widow maker or some kind of deadlift max out jumping into an ice bath setting yourself on fire like what does your normal training look like and he was like well to be honest i do the crazy stunts for the camera or if i'm going to visit clarence kennedy and we're having a mad session or something but mm. he was like no one wants to see me training my ankles or like doing the really boring stuff foam rolling my chest or something so he's like i just save all of that stuff for off camera and then do the mad stuff on camera which i thought is a very sensible way to live your life if you're a an influencer especially an influencer that makes money by if you watch mike Isertel training and he's doing like a set of hack squats he's in so much pain that like the top of his head's gone all wrinkly and looks like a brain and like he's he's like really grimacing and it seems like every session's like that and you just think like surely you're like cranking on a system there that it's not a good one like it's your body going don't stop doing that that's a problem and you're yeah. just going like no and pushing through it all the time so ben pakulski's big on this and i think it's really the the counterpoint to things like wim hof breathing and always having loads of coffee and always like putting yourself on sympathetic drive that you just gotta have like rather than rest days being where you're just like trying to trying to kind of gather yourself after having ruined you your body you should treat it as active parasympathetic days so it's where you actively focus on slowing down and doing a lying relaxation practice and doing your breath work and not just to offset it. Yeah. Not just kind of like winding yourself up all the time. <laughs> well, speaking of which the next one, like some mm -hmm. people are overtraining. <laughs> um, yeah. Some people are under training, very hard to, to really make any kind of blanket comments on that. I think, really if you look at yourself honestly or you or it's always easier when you look at other people isn't it when you go into like a david lloyd gym and you'll be able to pick out within five seconds the three people who are training and then the 12 people who are wasting their time i i i'd be very surprised if there are that many people that you interact with that are le legitimately overtraining regularly, like maintaining a state of overtraining. Um, they might be doing lots of stupid things, spending a lot of time doing lots of stupid things. But I think like, to me, overtraining is defined by like too much stimulus to recover from consistently. I think to be able to, to maintain that's pretty difficult to do. I think I've only, I don't know about you. I think we've probably kissed overtraining or just touched it once or twice in our lives i don't yeah. think um i've ever consistently overtrained and th and that's probably for both of us that'll have been a recovery side problem rather than a training volume side problem because like if we taken that training volume and we just lived like a semi-professional athlete it would have been fine like if anything it would have been low volume <laughs> so it's usually under an under recovery thing but you're absolutely right you go into a gym and there's a few people who've got like usually they're clearly logging their training and they're thinking about the session and there's a few people who are just like going from machine to machine or station to station, not really doing anything. Yeah, very much. So we are wildlife says you are not an outlier. Sorry. Yeah. I think especially for people, for, for coaches who, um, try and do their own programming, that's something you need to read again and again. Here's one that will trigger a few people listening. Most people I know who love drinking coffee 
are convinced that they are the 10% or whatever of genetic outliers that are super fast metabolizers of caffeine and or it doesn't affect my sleep. Mm. I have that conversation with people loads at, at dinner. Like you go out for dinner and people will have like, they'll order an Americano after dinner. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, I know they're nice. I like, I love coffee, but there is no need to have a coffee now. Like, I know you might think I'm going to go, go home, go to bed and it won't affect my sleep. But the answer is, of course it is going to affect your sleep. It's very difficult for it to have zero impact on you, given what it is. It's a pretty potent thing. To be honest, I wouldn't even trust a decaf at 9 p.m. Yeah, it's high risk, that, isn't it? Very high risk. There's a lot of trust being placed in the person who takes your order and goes over to the coffee machine to use the right grand black-looking powder and put that in the machine and not just give you a full-strength Americano. No skin off their nose, is it? No. (laughs) Well, there's probably only a few people. Like, of the people I know, you're maybe one of the only ones who would be able to quickly tell that's not decaf. (laughs) because <laughs> that's the other thing you leave the restaurant and you like bounce off the walls and really excited and then you really like hang on oh no that wouldn't have been yeah decaf. but you're i was like that i still probably kind of am like i should have less caffeine than i do the one thing i'm very respectful of is the timing of when i drink it because i if it, even for me if it's later than like 10 p 10 a.m not 10 p.m 10 a.m i can notice the the difference in the evening of like time to get to sleep and quality of sleep it's a powerful drug it is. You, Hell of a thing. Just before we go on to the next one, you did see the thing about Northumbria Uni where they administered a hundred yeah. times the amount of the um, experimental dose that they were meant to give of caffeine. Was, was in grams they were giving. Did they give someone like 70 grams of caffeine? 30 grams, yeah. Oh my God. So what's, what's think, like hospitalization, like two grams? LD50 is uh, 10 grams. Hospitalization dose is two grams. So what's LD50 mean? The like it would kill fifty percent of people. Oh my god! You I know what's crazy about that is like I don't think you can buy this anymore. But do you remember off my protein, you spill just buy a pouch of caffeine powder. Yeah, <laughs> nuts, absolutely. And it would Mad. it would have a sticker on saying don't don't have too much of this. The people who are buying that are exactly the people who are going to have too much of it. Yeah. So you're saying that what they used to sell, because that would have been like a 500 gram bag? I think 100 or 200 gram. I mean, I, 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 you, to be fair, you probably could have bought a 500 gram. But you 50 chance of dying. Yeah. Nice to know. It's uh, Peace of mind. scary. I think a few people ended up in ITU from that um, with like permanent memory problems and oh, God. sort of brain injury type what, thing. What I can't imagine. I think probably... The most either of us have ever had in a sitting. Well, you, I know you had some pretty crazy pre-workouts with some other things in, like your himbean and all these sorts of things. But like pre-powerlifting meat, maybe I would have had like four hundred milligrams in a in the space of an hour or something like that. Um, that's and you just feel shaky and like I think unsettled. That's how I would describe it. Unsettled, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like something's not quite right. Um, but if I'm if I'm into the tens of grams, I can't. It'd be a whole new experience, I think. Bright lights, bright lights, and bright colours. Yeah, like how, when when you get a chance, have a read of the descriptions of 
the experience of aspirin overdose, because that sounds really unpleasant. Like it gives you sort of ringing in your ears and um, disorientation and kind of unsettled, all these kind of things. But anyway, we must yeah, we must press on. PB, do you, with that? Like at least with the caffeine, there'd be a window in which, as it was kicking in, you could probably do a really heavy one one rep max. Exactly. Yeah. Sort of burn off a bit of that. Whereas mm. aspirin probably just get a GI bleed. Great. <laughs> Bob on. Um, it's me, isn't it? What's the next one? Uh, Revive. Gyms should reserve gym. eleven a.m. for the self-employed only. I mean, of course, we're going to agree with that because we are self-employed. Mm. I don't know why eleven. I'm trying to think what what the what's this protecting against? Is this the like desk job people are coming in at eleven a.m. or the unemployed? What's the what's the angle here, Rob? Yeah. Late what afternoon. Time do you train? Sometimes Mid I'll afternoon. do a lunchtime session if I have to do something in the evening. Squeeze it in. I train I train like six ish. Oh, but only because it's at home. Like if I had to use a commercial gym, I wouldn't touch six o'clock like after work. So I probably would end up going. Like eleven AM is probably a pretty That's good because you, you beat the like the lunchtime rush, don't you? <laughs> But yeah, I feel like there's something. Feel like there's something going on there, Rob. You know, it's a safe space. You can talk to us. Tell us what you're thinking. <laughs> um, next one. Warm-up routines and corrective exercise are overprescribed. There are, there's this a waste it's because there's a big people. industry around telling you that you're broken as an athlete and that you picking a, a weird part of your anatomy that you've never thought about until now. <laughs> like, oh, you, you're rhomboid. You've got to do these three things for your rhomboid. And then, or the, here's 12 ankle exercises that you need to incorporate into your program. And really, if you were to do that with every part of your anatomy, you would never be out of the gym. Yeah. And I, I think it leads to, you and I have both seen people in the gym who are so worried about their technique on an exercise that they forget to actually just lift hard for a long period of time. <laughs> you know, someone who is stuck at a 140 deadlift and they think the reason they're stuck at the 140 deadlift is some kind of thoracic spine problem, but actually they're just not trying hard enough in their training. Like they think every rep is perfect and that you would never get pushed offline and it's never going to be grindy. And actually the answer is just try In the harder, words of the wise, well, longer. drive hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can I tell that story? <laughs> so I was at British Nationals in, I'd gone all the way down to Portsmouth. On the, the week prior to that, I had to help my uncle move a shed. Help to move the shed. I mean, looking back, stupid thing to do. 12 weeks of prep was going to be a really good meet. Helped him move this shed into his garden. No consequences. Thought I'd got away with it. Standing in the airport, called our flight, picked up my bag, stood up, and just felt something in, like, my side just go, like, go, like, searing pain. Horrible. Really horrible. Back, it was an intercostal. Very intrusive. I think the worst thing about it is you can't, like, bring on the pain by, by pressing. It'll, it'll get you when you, like clear your throat or cough or stand up like twist um so 
ended up having a lot of cocodamol warming up. I did my, did my opener squat and couldn't do anything else because it was like crushing down on me. Go to do bench press and just getting into an arch hurt. So I'm like lying like flat on the bench, like clearly in loads of pain. Unrack my opener. And all Owen Hubbard kept saying was drive hard. But in his Welsh accent, and you just, it's so hard to get over the thought of like, oh, fuck off. Owen. Like, I, <laughs> clearly that's what I'm doing. <laughs> like if the only thing, in fact, that I am focusing on is driving as hard as I can. But I was in the crowd shouting. <laughs> no, he was spotting me. We'll have to tag him in this. He was like right here. He was like a side spotter. And, you know, the intention was there and nothing against Owen was the right thing to do. But it's like, it's the, when someone says something, you know, like when someone says, oh, just calm down when you're angry. In the <laughs> when, history of telling people you know, to calm advice, down. It's never worked for anybody. <laughs> and I think just because I felt like driving hard was the only thing I was incapable of doing because of how much pain I was in, I was <laughs> being told. So <laughs> to drive hard, Alice Ruby Payne has said Noco tastes um, dreadful, possibly controversial. I go further because people bloody are obsessed with Monster and Red Bull and the, all these nylon flavored drinks that are just disgusting and have unreasonable amounts of caffeine in. And I just can't wrap my head around why these things have taken off and mm. gained so much traction. So I, I don't think I agree that it tastes bad. I, it tastes quite nice to me, but I, I would prefer it without the caffeine in it. Like to me, it just, it's a fizzy drink. It's quite a nice fizzy drink. I think you can tell it's got the amount Might of caffeine Might be BCAAs as well. Because it has that kind of bitter. And but Red Bull yeah, doesn't yeah, have to even contend with that and it's still terrible. Yeah. It's like, um, it's what you said before, like, why would you want to drink something that's true. nylon flavored, makes you feel unsettled and has loads of sugar in that would be much nicer to eat from something physical? So the, the one, the one part of them that I don't get, so I, I'm kind of okay with, with all of them, really, they're all all right. But I think that Noco, especially the market is like pre-workout <laughs> just make you nice and burpy before a training session yeah like caffeine and bcas like i get i don't agree with with doing that but i get why somebody would do that before going in the gym or have those things before going in the gym that's at least not a totally stupid decision but to then come back to then put that in a fizzy drink like just have it separately have yeah. a coffee and a scoop of whey Way nicer, way cheaper. Or you could have some propane pre-workout power muffins, which we have the the recipe on our website. Oh, Thanks God. to Paul Turner. Rest in peace. Yeah. The legacy that he's left. Thank you, Paul. Um, they're nice. Yeah. I don't think I've ever <laughs> actually had one. I'm sad to say. I bet they are. I do not doubt it for a second. High levels of intensity with low body fat percentage is, is dangerous for female fertility and hormonal balance. <laughs> with sad face this one. from San Dees. Yeah, I agree. I'm, I, I think it's just part of the Instagram aesthetic is that women need to be shredded with like full 
abs vascularity and be doing high level CrossFit. And unfortunately, there's a lot of drugs in these sports and a lot of the image is just whatever it takes. So someone might have looked like that for just a couple of weeks pre-photo shoot, filmed as much stuff as possible, plastered it on Instagram, tried to give the impression that that's how they look all the time. There might be drugs involved. They probably are amenorrheic, meaning they don't have any periods, but they're just doing it for the for the gram, for the image. So I think it's important to just take what you see with a pinch of salt and uh, don't take the mick. They might also just be doing it because it's their job. Like, or they're, you know, if they're like a supplement ambassador or a clothing ambassador and they have to look a certain way to sell a product. As you said, it's like whatever it takes. So these consequences, like health, health-based consequences that, that might be short term, but they're, they're doing it for a month to take some photographs or appear at some shoots or appear at an event. Like for them, it's kind of worth it because that's how they make a living. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Healthy um, habits coach. It's definitely you. wheels. I'm sure at the time when Liz wrote that, it was linked to something. Sorry, Liz, we are so slow with the backlog of, because of going through user-generated responses that neither of us can remember what you were referring to. Yeah. But I think I'd agree. Do you think it's wheels? Yeah, probably wheels then. Um, Dr. Adam Sawyers, also basically nobody actually trains hard, which I think we've, we've kind of covered. Um, deadlifts with a round back are not inherently bad also from adam um yeah i would agree with that i think it's i think you have to be careful like who you say that to though and and how much experience with deadlifting somebody has because i've seen adam deadlift he's pretty good at it really i've also seen adam faint while deadlifting in, in front of a crowd of people yeah that was quite a, that was harrowing actually watching that happen because I've never seen someone mid lift faint and he just went from like bright red to white. You know what? That's like in line with his previous out. statement. Basically, nobody actually trains hard because <laughs> he's training to the point of unconsciousness. So hats off. I think he, I th I'm pretty sure, this was another powerlifting meet, um, I'm pretty sure he dropped like the best part of 10 kilos More. in a cut in like a month combination of water cutting and, and like rapid weight loss. And then was going to put up a really good total, maybe still did, but it got to almost the lockout of a deadlift. Yeah. That sounds rough. Um, straight but up. I, I would agree with you. I think learn the rules yeah. and then learn to break them. So when you've got good spinal control, yes. then you can say, okay, this is a tactical thoracic spine rounding to improve my, um, to, to shorten my range of motion or that from what, from the data I've seen on spines and spine injury, it seems like movement under compressive load is more of a risk than just loading in a fixed position. Obviously I'm not saying like go into end range lumbar flexion and then try and pull a max and go, Oh, well it's fine. Cause my back was still just don't take the mick. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, the, it's it's linked to what we were saying before, right? Where people are so focused on technique that they never make any progress because they think that their deadlift should look like something out of a exercise science textbook every single rep. 
at some point, it, like if you're like Adam and you're gonna, you're happy to just faint at the top of a deadlift. Like you're happy to try that hard that it causes you to temporarily black out. <laughs> the rep's probably not going to look that great. <laughs> like it's, that's probably that wasn't a totally smooth, controlled rep from Adam that that ended with a a lockout and then he weirdly blacked out and no one understood why like it was oh fair enough he's he's fainted yeah i probably would have fainted. i, I always enjoy the videos of um when people are locking out a deadlift and just projectile vomit on the judges yeah have you ever seen that happen? i think i've only seen someone In wet himself but not not vomit it's just it comes out with such force it looks like special effects like the yeah. video has been doctored it doesn't look real well hard to get annoyed with someone as a judge isn't it if that happens like you sat in their way and they're putting the most intra-abdominal pressure that probably they've ever sustained one from tweed valley training busy professionals are in infinite supply so you're right but the difficulty is if you just say hey calling all busy professionals come and work with me as a coach it's going to fall on deaf ears yeah, because he's a, no one's a busy professional, really, are they? No one thinks they are, anyway. They think there are lots of other things before they think that. A video called Busy Professionals is not a niche for more information on this. I think the it's linked to a thought that um, there's a lot of scarcity in online fitness, um, which I think is caused by two things. So I think coaches think online the online fitness industry is too crowded, which... If you could, it's an odd, objectively, it's an odd thought pattern to have when the alternative to that is going into your local gym where there's, I don't know what, like 20 or 30 members per trainer, perhaps. And you're happy to, to play with those odds, but you're unhappy to play with the odds of like billions and billions of people um, who are connected to the internet around the, around the world. But, um, and that seems too crowded. I think it's just, a, it's a perception thing. Um, that you see loads of PTs on your Instagram feed and you think, oh yeah, it's, this is oh, this is a saturated market and this will never work for me. It's not saturated if you market yourself properly and go watch our video. There we go. So thank you for your unpopular fitness opinions. Last week we were going to cover business mistakes that we've made and we ended up not even getting through probably a quarter of them because we've made that many. So mm. next week look out for that we will we will continue on the journey of terrible and really stupid business mistakes that we should have known better we could do one now okay do you not want to do one should we rush we tease one i was just going to talk about the one that, that happened to us last week fine last week yeah oh what a pain what an absolute really could have done without that one as well but you know what? The lesson was was worth it. So I guess I'll I'll paint a bit of context because I think the context is very important for us not seeming stupid here. So um, more and more recently, we've been reached out to by um, like BBC, Daily Mirror, Al Jazeera, ITV, iNews, yeah, several media companies, and like big ones as well, right? Like Men's Health, uh, Match dot com. Oh, yeah. Elite FTS, like we've been featured in quite a few places. And generally the arrangement is they reach out and say, hey, we'd love somebody to um, comment on this issue. Can you guys send us some content or can you do an interview or, or whatever? And there's a fee 
in exchange for that that your contribution. So when we got an email from Bloomberg that <laughs> that more or less said the same thing, I feel. Like I've read back over it since and I still feel comfortable with with how we interpreted it. We were both like, wow, Bloomberg's big. Um let's definitely do that. And so go on. So yeah, they they said, "Hey, um I'm writing from this media company. Uh, the editor at Bloomberg has reached out to us and wants your opinion on this for a particular piece that that they're running called From Thrift to Fit and it's about uh getting fit in spite of the rising inflationary pressures and cost of living. And our fee is $5,000." So we were like, "Well, okay, we've hit the big time now because normally the the fees are only in the hundreds that they pay us, but um they were like, if you want to, if you're happy to contribute, you can book in a call with our content manager and um, we'll arrange it. So I spoke to Johnny that evening and I was like, oh, um, Bloomberg have got in touch. Exciting opportunity. Like, are you able to clear the calendar for a, for an hour tomorrow where we can chat to the guy? And so we were both like, oh, sweet. Okay, well, um, let's let's arrange our mornings around this so that we can <laughs> give the best contribution for Bloomberg. Ended up on a call with their content manager. He took us through about 40 minutes of asking us questions about optimizing your, um, you know, your nutrition, your supplementation, your training for, for cost and doing it on the cheap. And then so what, what was the penny drop moment for you? He was like, we were dictating the article to him, weren't we? So he was asking us questions and we were coming up with tips of, and to be honest, I would love to read the article. I think it would have been a cracking article. It doesn't exist. And you'll find out in a second why. He said something along the lines of, so yeah. um, it's best with these things to, in your first experience in media, it's best to sort of speak in facts rather than opinions because people don't know you guys yet. And, you know, if you go too heavy on the opinion, then they might not listen to it that much. And initially I was thinking, like, wow, this guy's like really acting on our behalf here. Like what's what's in it for him? And then he was like, you know, our goal obviously here is eventually to get you guys on onto TV and radio. I'm like, can I just ask you? I just want to just quick point of clarification. I believe that what's happening here is that we are being part of an article for Bloomberg, to which he said, he was like, yeah, that's. That's absolutely right. And we can maybe do another angle as well. Um, I see that you offer some services <laughs> yeah, too so to help people with their Two businesses. articles. Sure. Why not? And he was like, and that would be 10,000. So like, we were oh, like, God, this is easy. Why do we bother doing anything else mm. when you can just have a call call with this nice guy and, and you earn $10,000? Um, <laughs> he then started to get like progressively more and more. Like He started to sort of put on this, like, I'm confused by this. Um, as we were asking more questions and as it transpired, what had basically happened was we'd been like cold outreached by a PR agency who were going to try to try and get us into Bloomberg. And if they succeeded, we would pay them $5,000. Now for both of us, we'd both read the email. There was nothing to indicate the directionality of the fee. And actually the rest of the emails were very much phrased as like, we are paying for your contribution for, for your time. 
So then we were like, hang on a second, this fee, th you want us to pay you $5,000 for our content? He was like, well, yeah. And we were like, well, okay, I apologize. Just we obviously so far, all of our media appearances have been the other way. He's like, you thought we would pay you $5,000 for your contribution to Bloomberg? I'm like, well, yeah, because that's how media works. I mean, usually Bloomberg doesn't make their money from mm. editors, uh, uh, contributors. But we were, paying the as we were discussing prior to recording, we believe that we were gaslighted by this gentleman because... <laughs> Because it, what he what he was yes, trying to do was, yeah. was paint it as though we were wasting his time, that we were being ridiculous for having read the email as anything other than, hi, you don't know me, but this is five grand, get on a call with us. Um, and that we, that our assumption was completely unreasonable. So interestingly, the history of gaslighting, which brief definition is when you selectively try and change the facts or deny someone's memory or reality to make them feel like they're going insane comes from a Dickensian couple, like an old married couple where the, the man would try and convince his wife that she was going insane because he would turn off the gas lights and flicker them wow. and then deny Good that knowledge. they were flickering and make her start to question so, yeah, her senses. I think that I think there is a lesson in this one because we get we get a lot of shit sent to us over email that on the face of it so sometimes we'll get an email and it'll flummox me like I'll believe it Alex will believe it I, every, everybody believes it Yusuf sees it from a mile and goes guys this is this is clearly spam like you bunch of amateurs and I sort of spend the rest of the day going yeah, like Yusuf's like done like a background <laughs> search and said the IP address and registration, all these like, things. Come on, guys. Whereas I look at it and goes like, look, looks legit to me. I'm in the middle of paying this invoice to this person that we've never heard of. <laughs> um, like I've cl I've clicked links on Instagram before that, be, you know, like, oh my god, you two are in this photo. Look at this click, and I'm like, oh no, what are <laughs> oh my god, Yusuf, we're in this photo. Like, let me click the link to check. Your account is locked. That's never happened to us before. But I, what I'm saying is like, I am that guy. Like I am the guy who clicks on the phishing emails. We get sent a ton of this shit and it, it, they are getting better and better. And I'm not saying that this is what that, this was, but it basically, it was, it was outreach. Like it was, it was a PR agency trying to, trying to sell us something for 5k. And it was done in such a way that like they got us quite a long way through the process. Um, so just... It was the waste of time that was the painful part because we'd both arranged our morning around it and like to try and line yep. two of us up at the same time of day is actually very difficult. It was, I suppose <laughs> it was, it was how far through parts the process of the we, because um, not only was it a waste of time, yeah, we like, we, just got we were both clearly sat there thinking of like pulling out our best, you know, this way this is going to go in Bloomberg, what are our best tips on this? Like if we've got an article to communicate our best stuff of how do you, how do you manage your diet and your training when you're short on money? We know a lot about that. Let's put our best foot forward. And it was only like 45 minutes in that it became clear that, that this guy was just wanting five grand from us. And you're like, oh. <laughs> I've... Oh. You went full audit at the end as well. 
and um, found that the guy that we were speaking to wasn't even. Yeah. So you can just do a quick search on company's house for these days. The company like had one staff records. member. So look on their website. Their website's like a sales page with a Calendly link for a PR agency that acts on behalf of Bloomberg. Red flag number one. Red flag number two, on that website, there was a the content manager who we were supposedly speaking to was somebody else entirely. Red flag number three was the business was incorporated uh, like a year and a half ago and had one employee and about three grand of cash. So you're like, hmm... Mm, like you know probably not necessarily but mm-hmm. probably this isn't the pr agency that acts on behalf of bloomberg now that maybe the joke's on us and maybe this was you know maybe if we paid this guy five thousand dollars we would now be in bloomberg yeah opportunity of a what lifetime was, what was supposed to what was so uh, peculiar was like literally that morning um, <laughs> all of that. becker had had something on tv about this guy who'd been scammed by a girl who'd set up a fake dating profile and she was like, I'm in the US military and had him send over, over the course of a year, he'd sent her 25 grand of like stuff that was for a child's school or uh, airplane fares back to the US and all these sorts of things. And you look at it and you're like, how could anybody be convinced by that? Like, how, how can that be possible? But when you get like a sniff of it, like, and you realize like, wow, here I, and I know we didn't get scammed, but it was all pretty convincing up until the point of like us rumbling him, I suppose. that it was just not at all. And I suppose at some point he would have had to have said, please, can you now transfer me $5,000? And we would have had to have done that. But I think he was willing to not mention that until the very end, at which point he's like, well, maybe they'll think they're so far in that it won't matter and they'll pay me anyway. Because as you say, that's no longer a $5,000 decision. That's a $10,000 one because it's the direction's flipped. So it's gone to zero and then a further 5,000. So it's like to, to then, oh. but you know what? You're right. When you see these things like Tinder swindler mm. and bad vegan and that kind of thing, where you're like, how on earth could they have believed that this was real and that this man was an agent from a black ops project and could immortalize her dog and stuff. But, you know, you look at them and they seem relatively intelligent and you go, oh, well, it must've just been so yeah. gradual. It's a combination of the stuff you see Darren Brown all of it in one go like the little from the boiling water. Getting someone to agree and agree and agree. And then before you know it, you're getting them to push someone off a roof <laughs> combined with like really good sales and marketing. And you wrap those together and it can be pretty dangerous. But I suppose that to back to get back to the lesson, like as you grow a business online and as you gain a bigger footprint, and as you gain more traffic and gain more traction, you'll get stuff like this happening more and more. Like if we, if we go back to 2010, this never happened. We never got outreached by anybody. There's not a day that goes past without somebody getting in touch with us saying, I want an article or I want you guys, I want you guys to feature in something or I want like, something from you and i'm sure it's, it's in some of them there are some legitimate opportunities but most of them are just substanceless chances <laughs> <laughs> there we are <laughs> so there terrible we go lessons back next week for more terrible lessons <laughs>